Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm live, soon to be joined by Rex. And folks, it is real now. Live Series isn't just some concept on paper. It's real money, real events. And now, finally, there is a real field. We'll break down the implications and the ramifications of the Live London field list, what it means for Dustin Johnson's legacy, and what happens next. And here's a fair warning, guys. I'm coming off a sleepless red eye, so this could be an even more delirious episode than usual. That is your warning. Uh, Plan accordingly. But first, Sam Burns won the Charles Schwab Challenge in a thrilling finish, and he did it with a Rogue ST triple diamond driver in the bag. Callaway's new Rogue ST drivers are their fastest, most stable ever, with four head shapes to fit every type of player. Their industry-leading innovations include an all-new tungsten speed cartridge, jailbreak speed frame, and an AI-designed flash face for maximum speed with exceptional levels of forgiveness. Rogue ST drivers are available now, and they are already winning on tours around the world. Go to CallawayGolf.com now to learn more. Rex, I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like I need to get my grubby paws uh, on that driver, but I digress. First of all, What'd you make of the NCAA championship? Because I know I know you were tuning in. Uh, I think Texas was a deserving team. They clearly had the deeper roster. I feel like they got a lot of good play out of their uh, upperclassmen, and uh, and and I thought you and everyone else from our staff did an excellent job, especially on Twitter. I was uh, I was fascinated, shot by shot. You kept me up to date, and I, I want to thank you for that. I tweeted three times total uh, during the NCAA championship. I would know. Knowing I you to do a week ago, I want. I know knowing. Time. Knowing you were going to put me in the penalty box, I was like, nope, I'm just going to tempt fate and only do it. I think I tweeted like once, once a day. You're out. You're good. You're out. Uh, It's over. I just sent out my, uh, my annual uh, photo of of myself and Burko, uh, the legend, the the myth, the legend, uh, the greatest college golf mind that there is. Uh, It was, I must say, it actually was like an absolutely awesome NCAA championship. He and I kind of argued a little bit yesterday. I, I think it was actually the second best one that I've covered. 2012 probably isn't going to be topped. That was Spieth, JT, number one, Alabama, number two, Texas, or wherever they were that year. I mean, it's Riviera um, went down to the, the 18th hole. That was uh, really good. But man, man, are those kids good. They are coming and they are coming in bunches. And they're actually, Rex, there was a little bit of a it was a little bit of a live angle. So this, this field list comes out on Tuesday night, about, I would say an hour after Arizona state, uh, which is the host school for the NCAA championships. If you haven't been paying attention to this, uh, clinched their spot in the championship match of NCAAs. One of their star players is on that list. It's David Pooch. He's a junior, uh, really talented player, ninth ranked amateur, in the world from Spain, uh, one of, I believe, three amateurs in the field, along with this kid, uh, uh, TK, I'll call him, uh, from Thailand, uh, 15-year-old absolute stud, uh, eighth-ranked amateur in the world, as well as the reigning U.S. amateur champion in James Pyatt. Now, David Pooge was not the most interesting name on that list. The most interesting name on that list, Rex, was Dustin Johnson. Three months after he said he was, quote, fully committed to the PGA Tour, an about face that I think caught everybody off guard. 
You realize you hijacked the podcast for five minutes at NCAA talk during what is probably the most profound time in the PGA Tour's history, at least in the modern age. And, and what you chose to do was come to the microphone and hijack the show because, by God, I'm reading this and I'm going to steer the ship. And I was at NCAA, yes. so that's what we're yep. going to talk about. Exactly. That is the most is, ridiculous thing I've ever me. heard in my entire life. This is no, all it's about not me. even about you. It's about the NCAAs. And because you were there, you felt like it was the most important thing in the world. And apparently it is the most important thing in the world. So if you would just want to keep going on how deep Texas's roster is and how Arizona State will be bounced back and right back in it next year, or we can transition to what was the There was nothing story. more important in the world that happened uh, between six and, six, 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern time yesterday. That was, the most, that was the most important thing in golf was the NCAA and he, championship. And then as soon as I love as, the fact that you got as soon as my run final over. segment was over, it's it's gone. And we'll see and we'll see you again in three months. Uh, and I love the fact that you got run over on Tuesday night because Live Golf decided at 8:20 Eastern Time PM exactly to send this list out the, for the first uh, event in London next week which we've all been anticipating. We heard it was going to happen last Friday, and then I heard Saturday. And then I heard I it was going to happen Sunday. in, like, February. Yes. I mean, this, this is just an ongoing thing to the point that I, I just had come up with my own emoji to answer my editors and, and my producers. Every time they reached out to me, like, no, nothing. It, it was just, I, I have nothing for you right now. But at 820, and apparently Greg Norman has something against the NCAAs, too, because he completely stole the show. We spent the whole first segment talking about Live Golf and, and the That's field. That's 1 a.m. London Johnson. time. That's 1 a.m. London time. It makes no sense. If you're, if you're trying to drum up support for it, I mean, this is marketing 101. That is not when you send out a release that you want to make any kind of splash whatsoever. That's the kind of release you, you want to send out when you want it buried, when you want no one paying attention to it. But instead, you pick 820 on a random Tuesday night of the semifinals. Of the NCAA's, no less, which is much the more nerve, important. The audacity. Can you believe and, it? To try and undermine that great tournament. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Dustin's name on there was the one that I think everyone's eyes immediately went to. Uh, we, we talked about this at length. He was among the stars who just a few months ago in February, as you pointed out, in L.A., pledged their allegiance to the PGA Tour. Their fealty. Yes, I don't think he used that word. I believe that was John Ron. I don't. I don't yeah. believe. Yes, I don't think DJ knows that word. At least yeah. he's not. <laughs> he's it. not going to throw it out there. Yes, yeah, spell does, it. Does, does it start? Does it start with an F? Use it in a sentence, please, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, I would say in this particular case, and in, in just to pull back the curtain a little bit, as soon as I got the field at eight twenty, I texted. David Winkle, who is Dustin Johnson's long-term agent, and in my opinion, one of the, one of the good guys in the business. Totally. I believe yep. he has his best interests of his clients at heart. And at first he said, I will have no comment. And it was fascinating that we made it through the first segment. And as I was finishing up and saying that David Winkle, DJ's agent, didn't have a comment, he texted me a full statement, which was essentially this is something he had considered for a long time and that he decided – essentially that this was what's best for his family and we've heard all manner of numbers nothing is confirmed nothing is reportable this is all just things that are thrown out into the ether because this is what we, we choose to believe anywhere between the telegraph the, the telegraph is, is reporting 125 million dollars james james corrigan highly regarded uh reporter for the telegraph reported 125 million he did uh, i don't know if i'm willing to go down that path because I, I don't know that any of this is reportable because I've ran into too many rumors and there's too much swirling. And I can tell you that yesterday I spent the entire day on the phone to agents and players and everyone else in the, in the business 
about rumors and what we're hearing. This is what the tour is saying, and this is what the tour is going to do. We have no idea what the tour is going to do, because after Dustin Johnson's name on that list, and, and to a lesser degree, and this is a kind of a different conversation, Taylor Gooch, I know everyone's going to be like, why was Taylor Gooch a surprise? Because he's a player of a certain age. He's in his early 30s. And he's a player that I think a lot of people he look just at won it. on the PGA Tour. He just cracked the top 50. Like his his career is on the upward trajectory. This, he's finally in all the majors now. I mean, it's a big deal. It just did not fit the mode. Uh, you can go down the list and, and most players fit the mold. It was Lee Westwood. It was Ian Poulter. It was Graham McDowell. It was, I guess, Dustin Johnson to a certain degree. These are players in their 40s, the late 40s, who probably realize that I'm really not going to compete for majors anymore i'm really not going to compete to be a pga tour player of the year or to win the fedex cup anymore and this is a massive payday so in my mind taylor's name stood out and i guess the third thing was that phil's name wasn't on the list and we'd all speculated and we all thought that okay this was going to be when he finally decided which side to take which leads me to believe that he hasn't decided which side he's going to come in on or at least he still wants to leave some wiggle room to come back to the pga tour so of all those so? things, do you think, do you think that's what that yes. means? Or is he, or is this just a power yes. play with the, with the live officials? Uh, I, no, I think this is a power play with the live officials because, and again, according to, to sources and according to completely unsubstantiated reports. And from what I'm hearing is that the folks that live were unhappy with Phil's comments, which they probably should be. You cannot call your employer scary M efforts. That, that's not something. <laughs> and, you, I, and I think the tour, I think the tour was unhappy with Phil's comments as well. That's right. He burned down, uh, and I said this in a radio interview yesterday, he said he burned down both ends of the bridge, bridge and he somehow caught the water on fire. Like, that, that's how much he scorched <laughs> everything. With one comment, with one, one well-placed paragraph, he was able just to burn it all down and we're going to be done with it. Uh, so he's either going to have to come back to and apologize to the Saudis, which by all accounts wanted to renegotiate his deal because of damages, and Phil probably has no interest in that at that point, or he's going to have to come back with his tail between his legs to the PGA Tour. My guess if you were to put me on the spot, was eventually he and the Saudis and Live Golf work it out, and he becomes the front man for that organization. Uh, right now, I think it is telling that his name was not on that list. Front man? Do you mean taking over as commissioner? Oh, no, uh, no, since, no. Since Greg Norman's really on the hot seat, but wouldn't? But actually, doesn't that make more sense to have Phil as like a playing commissioner? Like he's think Savvy and Phil's going to be less explosive it. and incendiary than Greg Norman. I mean, the last time he was quoted in public, it did not go well for Phil for either side, as we just pointed out. I, so, no, I don't think Liv Goff or the Saudis have any interest in making Phil the leader of the mouthpiece, the commissioner at this point. I, no, I would not see that. So why is Phil not on this list now? They are reserving one invitation. It's, it's some Six sort of like spots. Asian, some five spots for an Asian tour event and then one quote-unquote invitational why would phil not play in this first event after asking for a release to play in it again i think this is a leverage deal i think right now if if you had to read the tea leaves that somehow he's sideways right now with live golf and the saudi backers and it doesn't take a genius to figure out why he called his bosses carry mfers so yes there is an but issue like in his but in his non-apology apology he he didn't he didn't mention the PJ tour by name. In fact, he expressed remorse and regret about some of the things he said and how, how great it had been to work with the live officials and, and, and things of that manner. So it sounded like he wanted to um, mend some of those bridges that he'd, that he that he'd torched, including the water. 
Probably, probably. And this, whatever it is Live Golf is trying to do as far as renegotiate for damages or anything along those lines is going to be short term because I think they realize that they're, they're going to see DJ in the field, but it's going to need more star power going forward. The field that they announced on Tuesday night is not a great field. And it, you don't want eight of those. You, you want to put together a better field, at least name-wise. I'm not even talking about world ranking-wise. I'm talking about just get more names in there. And there's plenty of rumors swirling around on tour that they're not done making announcements for next week's field in London, that there will be bigger names that will come out in the next few days before they actually get oh, to London. But there's only, there's only five spots. There's the, there's the Asian Tour qualifier, and then there's one invitational spot. That, that'd be 48. Uh, are, you, yes. are, you, are, you, are you really going to bump – Saddam Kawad Kanjana? Yes. 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 Because I How know about, plenty of players. Are they really uh, gonna who, are they really gonna bump Henny Duplessis? You can keep going. I don't know if you're doing that right, but you can keep trying to butcher names. Blake, you like Blake Windred, Jinichiro Kozuma. You're going for the comedic effect, which I'm gonna lean into. No, P- I don't Pachara I, I, Kong Watmai. Are they really gonna kick these guys out? They 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 earn their spot through some tour that I don't know, but I'm sure they're somewhat deserving. Uh, and again, there's six spots. You're right. They're holding out five for the Asian Tour Invitational Series event, which is being held in England this week right now as we speak. But, and so G- GMAC, G-Mac is live. playing. Uh, Andy Ogletree is playing. You can keep going down the list. It's, it's Peter Uline is playing. I think it's, it's a better field than most people would have imagined. And my guess is it's all a package deal with Live Golf to make sure that they maximize these players who they are paying for. In this particular case, yes. If a, if let's say a Phil Mickelson came calling on Monday morning and said, "Suddenly, I've changed my mind that I want in," they would find a way to get him into this field. Don't be silly. Don't don't, don't ignore this. That they don't play by the same rules that the PGA Tour does. That's what I've been arguing with our producers and our editors over the last two weeks. That everyone thought that oh, it's got to be the Friday before at five o'clock Eastern. No, that's a PGA Tour rule. That's not a live golf rule. By all accounts, they don't have any rules. They're playing it fast and loose and will get the field whenever they feel comfortable. And I think as many times as they got close, according to people who know that I've spoken to and then pulled the plug, it is still wildly unorganized. Uh, that does not surprise me since they're announcing the field list nine days before the first, the first ball uh, goes in the air. I, I can tell you what, though, Rex. Jediah Morgan is going to be pissed. There it uh, is. If he, if he gets if he gets bumped Keep going. on this field, so, somehow Rex, you have you have sort of glossed over the fact that a generational player has basically turned his back on the PJ Tour. And if you read David Winkle's statement, uh, DJ's longtime agent, it certainly sounds like he is at peace leaving the PJ Tour in the rearview mirror and turning his attention now full time to live golf circuit now uh the the looming question of course is what happens with the major championships i'm not sure we're going to have any resolution in that regard anytime soon how does this affect dj's legacy i mean we're talking about a what 24 time winner on the pga tour two-time major champion with the 2016 us open the 2020 masters fedex cup champion Uh, i mean he's held the number one world ranking uh, longer than any player since Tiger. I mean, what do you, what do you make of his legacy? Is it, is it at all harmed by making this move at this stage of his career? Oh, no doubt about it. I thought, again, I'll go back to Rory, probably said it best yesterday at the Memorial when he was asked point blank, do you think the players who have agreed to sign on to this, who are members who would deny the releases and will face some sort 
of repercussions for going over there. We don't know what that's going to be. But do you think they even want to come back to the PGA Tour? Do you think they want to, to play the tour any longer? And a long pause, and Rory finally said no. I don't think so. And look, I'm not saying that, that Rory is quoting DJ here. They both live in South Florida. They run in the same circles. But there is a feeling. Rory and DJ to, run in the same circles? I mean, it's all Jupiter, apparently. I, I read the Golf Digest story that said it's one big happy family, and they're partying together at, uh, what's Tiger Woods' place? The Woods? Is that Woods? what it's called? Yes, thank you. Yes, Tiger, um, yes, Tiger, Tiger Woods' place is called The Woods. I could be called Tiger. It might be a better name. Um, I just think that... No, he's probably not quoting DJ specifically, but he probably has read the tea leaves long enough to understand that whatever motivated DJ to do this, and it was money, I think we can all just go out there and say it if it's $125 million over two years, that he's willing to take the consequences. And the consequences are probably going to be severe. Who knows how Augusta is going to respond to this? It seems like they were leaning hard in the PGA Tour's favor. Who knows how the PGA of America is going to respond to this as far as future Ryder Cups and playing in the PGA Championship. It seems to me Seth Wall seemed to be leaning in the PGA towards direction, even this year. I mean, my guess is Davis Love was on the phone a lot yesterday, trying to reach out to players who potentially are thinking about making this jump, including Dustin Johnson, because, I mean, he's got a President's Cup team to try to put together. And Dustin Johnson would be a loss. Except DJ, DJ was probably going to get left off that team the way that he's played this year. Probably. But now all of a sudden you're, he's looking over his shoulder, just like the PGA Tour is, trying to figure out, well, what happens if another goes and another? Like now all of a sudden, and probably the one that's backed, in, backed into a corner most is Trevor Immelman, who is going to see mm. his players. I mean, Louie and Brendan Grace, those guys were going to be on that team. They were going to be players that he was going to depend on for veteran leadership who won't be on that team now. I mean, it's pretty safe to say that anyone that plays, and again, we don't know what the punishments are going to be. By all accounts, according to at least one tour official I talked to, they're not announcing punishments now because there will be different punishments. If you play in one, there will be one punishment and you decide to play in all eight, it will be another. And I've heard a wide range of what exactly that will mean, but they're going to let this play out before they actually decide exactly who gets what. And I think we'll start understanding a little bit better down the line. And, and look, this is going to, we've talked about this before. This is going to a lawsuit. This is going to end up in a courtroom. The fascinating part that sort of emerged over the last few days is, well, but couldn't, the players reach out and get the courts to at least pause this lawsuit and allow them to get play like the an injunction tour. or something to go play, to get an injunction. And I don't know how that would play out. I mean, I, I actually talked to a lawyer about this yesterday and it, it could go either way. It's interesting that, I mean, this is an, it is going to be a fascinating lawsuit, but there is a scenario where DJ could be right back on the tour in two weeks. Cause certainly he's qualified for the U S open. That to me is the immediate He's you know, in the field hurdle. for the Travelers' Championship. Well, he was in the field until the last minute for the Canadian Open, which I thought was very odd. I, I didn't think that was going to work out until the RBC, which is the sponsor of the Canadian Open, cut ties with him. So I don't think he'll be making the trip up to Canada for that. But I think the U.S. Open will be the fascinating one. You have at least a half – hey, there he is. Uh, you Stella. have at least uh, – Stella. Uh, a half dozen players who are qualified for the U.S. Open. Kevin Na, Dustin Johnson – uh, Richard Bland is in the U.S. Open field. I reached out to the USG last Friday when we thought this was coming to a head, and they didn't, they didn't say that, no, we're drawing a line for these players, but they did hold out the opportunity that, yes, th this might keep them from going out, and they, they deserve Boy, to decide. I've got a hard time believing that's going to happen. I've said this before. They don't want that shade. They can sit here and say all they want. They can say, yes, we're going to stand with the tour, but they don't want a piece of this fight, and I don't think the PG of America or anyone else 
wants a piece of this fight because when yet. it comes legally, they don't want it yet. When it comes legally, the push comes to shove. This is going to get nasty and this is going for a long time. And the PGA tour in the past has been able to just last wait guys out. VJ Singh being the primary example when it comes to legal. You can't it's, wait out the Saudis because you'll be waiting generations. Yes, they have deeper pockets than you. They can throw another zero on. You can't throw another zero on. This is where things become interesting because the PGA Tour has always had the biggest stick in the room when it came to these legal challenges. Uh, going back all the way to Casey Martin, that yes, you can challenge us, but we're going to continue. Our lawyers are going to be lawyers, and we're going to push this down the road to the point that you just have to cave because you can't afford this anymore. It's going to go the other way. It's the Saudis who are saying, sure, we'll, we'll keep playing this game. We'll keep going round and round with you with lawyers. And I don't know how it would play out. And again, if this injunction is passed, you can imagine a scenario where all these guys continue to play 15 events on the PGA Tour and the 8 or 10 or 12 or 14 events that we'll see this turn into whatever Live Golf turns into, which is exactly what they wanted to begin with. I want to go back to this talk about bans, suspensions, fines, discipline, punishment, however uh, the PGA Tour decides to act on this. There was a... uh, unsubstantiated report came out on Wednesday night that the discipline for any player who plays in this will basically have a three month ban in the fall, October to December. Can you, de- can you debunk that uh, rumor? No, that, that, that's not true. I mean, there's Which, not many things that, that I feel would, confident that about. That's is not true. absolutely ridiculous. What really, punishment is that? They're going to slap you on the hand and tell you not to play the fall, which most of these players don't want to play the, the fall. The RSM, no. no sirree. You are take you it are easy. Allowed, you are not allowed to play Rex's fifth major. No, that one is going to hurt. Uh, no, do not. That's not okay. It. I, I, so, okay, I've been, so there, so I've been told it one. goes from suspension to bans if you play all eight. So whatever it is, the suspension would be. No, they're not going see, to I dovetail hate, it. Well, I see. I hate. I hate the idea of a sliding scale of of suspension, and we and we talked about it. Uh, last week on the podcast, I, I believe, like if you actually want to send a message, if you're actually trying to deter guys from playing in this rival circuit who are clearly defying the order of the PJ Tour, you have to suspend them indefinitely. What good, Rex, does a does a one month suspension do for, let's say, a let's say a Matt Jones, right? Matt Jones, the, the Australian uh, four pro wins to his credit, top 75 player in the world. If he could, he, if he just has a one off. Uh, and, and plays in London. And the tour responds by saying, you know what, we're going to ban you for a month. That was probably two, maybe three starts that he would have made on the PJ Tour. Let's say he plays decently well, makes 200K in those three starts that he would have been had he not been banned. He can go to live. Maybe he's getting a signing bonus. Maybe he's not. Last place of this tournament is $120,000. He's not going to finish last. I, I named some of the players who are among this 48-player field. Matt Jones, top 75 player in the world, is not going to finish towards the bottom of this leaderboard. At that point, he's still making money by choosing to defy the PGA Tour's order, by choosing to defy the PGA Tour's rules and regulations. What sort of message is that sending if you are not suspending them indefinitely you're still giving them the option you're still giving them the opportunity you're still giving them the leeway to go play on this rival circuit no it's it's sending the message that jay monahan the commissioner is not backing up what he said earlier this year there was a player manager meeting yesterday with tour officials at the memorial it was previously scheduled it was yesterday morning it just happened to fall whenever live golf finally got that was previously scheduled 
My goodness, what time? It was previously scheduled. Uh, yes, the timing of it. Maybe Liv Goff knew the timing of that. And I was told by multiple managers who were in that meeting that the tour officials in the room were asked multiple times exactly what kind of suspensions, what kind of fines, what are we looking for at as far as punishment goes? And they never got a straight answer. And that's by design. The tour can't allow themselves to be backed in a corner quite yet. You notice they have gone off the idea that, okay, you're going to be banned for life. My guess is the lawyers in Ponte Vedra Beach have circled the wagons and said, you know what, let's pump the brakes on lifetime suspensions because the courts don't like to hear lifetime anything. And that, that's one that's probably not going to hold up. That one's going to get shot down really, really quickly. The sliding scale, I know you don't like it. But I hate it probably, the sliding scale. It probably makes the most sense long term, though, because, again, the lawyers are getting involved now. And once they get involved, this gets to be sticky and yucky and, and you don't feel good and you have to take a lot of showers. I have so many friends that are lawyers, and, and that sounds so bad. I apologize in advance, but we all know it to be true. In this particular case, they're going to have to sit and wait which is fascinating to me because you're going to end up with DJ who's going to play the first one. And maybe he plays a second one, which would really slam the door shut in my mind. If he's getting $125 million, wouldn't you think he's also playing the second one? I would think he's playing all of them for 125 by all accounts. These are two year deals. So I think players got 125. They don't have to play all of them. Now maybe DJ's deal is separate from what I've been told. You need to play five. Well, you need to play at least four to qualify for the team event, and you, they need you in the team event. So whatever these contracts are for, my understanding is you need to play at least four of the events and then qualify for the team event going forward. So you could end up with a scenario, let's use Kevin Knopp, for example, who just ends up playing four, gets into the tour championship, and ends up getting five for his minimum. Just Or maybe he likes the money and he just wants to continue to compete. I just don't know how they can lay blanket statements down because, as I pointed out, Earlier, I think there's going to be an injunction. So the courts are going to get involved, and now all of a sudden you're going to have players who have been suspended that either you're going to defy an injunction, and then that leads to a lot of damages and a lot of things you don't want to lead to. And again, this is all legal mumbo-jumbo that no one wants to get involved in. Or you're just going to say, fine, keep playing. We'll sort this out in the courts, and when the time comes, you'll either be gone or you'll stay. But yes, I think as much as you don't like it, and as much as I'm sure Jay would love to – Dig in on that line that he drew in the sand that if you play one, just keep walking. I don't think legally, I don't think realistically you can do that. So if that's the case, okay. if, if, if players are just going to get one month suspension, three month suspension, wh- wh- however they decide to do it on this, this sliding scale that I hate so much, is there in the future any possibility that these two tours can coexist? Because right now, we appear to be heading for a talent split, which to me is the worst case scenario. PJ tour gets weaker and this live series gets basically the tour middle-class, but it doesn't ever kind of appeal to the, to the Spies and the JTs and the Morikawas and the Rory's and the ROMs, you know, the, the real headliners of world golf. You just sort of have like, the tour middle class that wants to get rich and then the depth on the PGA tour is diminished because those guys are no longer there to me, both products then get weaker. So my question Rex, can these two coexist or is it so far gone that that's not even a remote possibility anymore? No. And we've done this podcast before. I don't feel like doing this podcast again. We're too far down the road. There might've been a way early when this was referred to as the premier golf league and there was other people involved and they tried to reach out to the tour and the tour said no. 
And this had everything to do with, and we've seen the repercussions. RBC wants nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. And that's why they were so quick to cut ties with DJ and anyone else that goes over there. If you go back to the Saudi International in the last few years, it's been won by one of those RBC ambassadors all three years. Dustin twice and Harold Varner once. If you look at pictures from those victories, they didn't have their They ain't RBC. got the logo on the sleeve. Nope. They ain't got the logos. It was always going to be – this was never going to be a conversation that they were willing to have. And RBC is not the only corporate sponsor that the PGA Tour has that wanted to just shut this down. And so, no. We were never going to be in that direction. To your point, I would argue you just went through the field really poorly, by the way, and made really bad podcasts for you trying to read those names. And you brought up your boy from Arizona State. And for all we know, he could be the next Scotty Scheffler. And now all of a sudden, you've got him making flirty eyes at Liv Goff and Greg Norman and the Saudi money. And imagine a scenario three years from now. Three years ago, not many people who knew who, knew who Scotty Scheffler was and now he's the world number one, and he's a major winner, and it looks like he's going to win everything on the planet. And imagine, go back three or four years, and he's still a senior at Texas or whenever he ended up leaving Texas, and someone had stepped in and said, hey, you can go try Q School and the Corn Ferry Tour and, and try to make your way to the PGA Tour and lose money in the process, or we've got this waiting for you. And I'm so you're starting to see players have a lot more interest in this. So that's so if, so if they can't coexist – then the PGA Tour model needs to be blown up. Oof. Like it's, wow. it is, it's, it's not going to survive this existential threat. And, and you, mentioned, you mentioned David Pooch, the, the amateur. And, and so there's, not to get too deep in the weeds, but there's this PGA Tour university program for seniors. So Scotty Scheffler, he graduated from Texas. Had this been around, he would have certainly been among the top five with guaranteed corn fairy tour status. Well, that's not good enough for these guys anymore. Why, why would you go to Wichita and to, to Springfield and to Lafayette and battle for $50,000 and just trying to make ends meet and trying to get one of the top uh, 25 cards there when you can go get seven figures? I've heard rumors of eight figures for some of these top guys. Why wouldn't you go there when you can still – qualify for the PJ tour ultimately through the traditional route. Say the live circuit gets recognized with the official world golf ranking. You can still Monday qualify. You can still get sponsor exemptions. However, the case may be, you can still eventually crack the top 50, getting all the majors and all of your dreams can still come true. And so this is a very small example of, of what I say when the PJ tour needs to blow up its model, this PJ tour university program, which gives corn fairy tour status. They're going to have to change that. They're going to have to give PJ tour cards because that's the only way that you are going to entice these players to stay away from the live money. It's too enticing. It's too enticing. You have to sweeten the pot. And so that's a very small example for the entire PJ Tour ecosystem and how they're going to need to start looking at their model. Because if DJ, and again, you're saying you can't, you can't verify the rumor, if it's $125 million, the PJ Tour can't compete with that. So how are you going to satiate the stars who look over there and say, boy, that's a life-changing amount of money to do less work. PJ Tours, to me, has to make radical changes to the way they're doing their business. No, uh, to your point, so Mercer, our editor on Tuesday night, reached out to me and wanted me to write a column on this on Wednesday. 
And I had avoid, avoided writing any kind of columns whatsoever on this because at Golf Channel, we have a lot of opinions when it's it comes to golf. It's because you're the Saudi apologist. Isn't that what the people say on Twitter? Apparently, yeah. That, that was what I got hit, got slapped in the face with after one particular uh, Golf Central hit. However, I, I've been trying to avoid writing columns on this because whatever opinion I'm going to have, you're, you're going to get towards because people are so passionate about this. But I, I went ahead and dove in yesterday, and this, this goes to your point because I did mention – that level that okay so dj was the front man when this comes out we all focused on dj in the field dj's the star dj's what this this league needs to move forward i circled it back around and said and i don't want greg norman on a mic anymore live golf shouldn't want greg norman on a mic anymore there's nothing good he could possibly say is he still on the hot seat I, I, I can't imagine how he's not although i don't know at this point who you replaced him with and i don't know and, and I meant this. I don't know that DJ needs to be your front man. I don't like your ally in this particular situation. Because However, the idea- he is the per- he's the perfect guinea pig, though. Because he is, he's he a is perfect impervious. Guinea pig. He is impervious to the criticism and oh, he doesn't the care. social but media Liv blasting. Goff does. But Liv Goff does. I mean, my point is, is the optics of a millionaire taking more millions from a league that's backed by dirty Saudi money. And we can say that. That's a bad optic. You're not spinning that in any way. There's not enough grow the game initiatives out there to make that look good. I went to the idea and I talked to Richard Bland last Friday, who's the 49 year old and lovely Englishman who is at the end of his career. And I allowed him to tell his story. And I feel like for the first time on golf channel that we allowed the other side to be told in the first time in all of this, in this interview that I did. And he spoke very eloquently about the idea that at 49 years old, my best years are far behind me and I don't have much runway ahead of me. And this is how I take care of me and my family. And it was a story, and I tweeted it out, and I was amazed that responses were, were far more understanding than anything I of could have possibly tweeted that. Because that's what these guys, they, that, is, that is the strategy. Matt Jones employed they, that strategy. Hudson Swafford employed that strategy. Graham McDowell deployed that strategy. And people can wrap their minds around that. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to defend this at all. You can take the moral high ground all you want, and I can certainly appreciate that. And you can take the legacy argument and those two things that's where the tour wants to camp out they want to do legacy and then they want to let their proxies do the moral high ground because they know they can't touch that's toxic for them they let other people handle that part of the conversation for them this avoids all of that that this isn't about either one of those things this is about me trying to make a living in this world and we can sit here and say oh i don't like where the money comes from but if we're going to sit down and do that the folks at Martin Marietta probably have a lot to answer for because they do a lot of business in Saudi Arabia, right? And we can keep going down the list. And there's a there's a CEO if that's someone, sitting in- if, if someone offers you 10 times more money to oh. work less, that is human nature that that would be appealing to you. And I don't know, and, and I'm going to get probably lasered on the – get dragged on this one for being the apologist. What's lasered? I'm not being the ap- – uh, that was something my son threw at me this morning when, I, when, he, when he beat huh. me playing golf that, on the nine hole. Is, is that what the kids are saying now? I, I don't know if there's anyone younger than 21 out there that's listening to the podcast. Please Lasered. let us know. Lasered. At Ryan Lavner GC, if that is actually a thing, you could throw it Lasered. in my direction. At Rex hmm. Hoggard GC, if that's a thing. If not, I threw dragged in there because that was a, a, a little bit more refer- – it was a reference sure. I understood. But I got hit on the 6T this morning by my youngest son that, oh, Dad, I just lasered you on that one. I'm like, great. There's hmm. something you don't hear all the time. You need but- to put this in Urban Dictionary? Um, maybe not. It's a work computer, so I'd steer clear of that. Laser. <laughs> Synonym for cool. There you go. Used especially when one wants to draw attention to one's dorkiness, as this term itself is dorky. 
Huh. Okay. There you go. Almost as almost as dorky as having to look up lasered on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> we are not, almost almost as dorky as that, but not quite. We are not aging well, Jason. Please edit this part out. <laughs> All this is doing is showing how old we are. Spend the whole podcast trying to look things up on Urban Dictionary. It's not good. I don't think. Good. I don't think. I don't think he was using that right. I don't think I used it right. I'll take the heat. But yes, he wasn't using. He wasn't using anything right. This one he played terrible. Anyway. <laughs> But if you humanize it, if you put a face to it, it's a whole different story. And either Norman and the rest folks that live golf don't want to tell that side of the story or are un- incapable of, fin- of telling that side of the story. Because all they want to focus on is Phil Mickelson and DJ. And the only thing people are going to see in that situation is millionaires taking millions from bad people. And that's never an equation that adds up. But well. do you really want to promote the tour's middle class just getting richer? Like, why would you want to tell that story? I understand, like, from a PR perspective that's 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 not the story you want to tell it's 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 the one that norman has tried highly unsuccessfully uh, to do so when it's blatant sports washing but that's essentially what they're trying to sell yeah. is, is is they can be a part of of the future they can get this you know tk amateur this 15 year old if he wins it can change lives it can grow the game in thailand and singapore and uh, everywhere around the globe but hudson swafford who's what got 15 million dollars in the bank going over and playing for a couple years and collecting at least $10 million more. uh, That's probably not going to resonate with the public. However, when those players justify their inclusion, that's how I think they can take some of the heat off them. Right? Like that's, that is, it's, it's, it's in their best interest to explain it in that way. Like, boy, if, if, if anyone offered you that amount of money to play golf and spend more time with your family, You'd be stupid. You'd be irresponsible not to take it, regardless of the, the ethical, the, the moral standing, the moral complications of this whole deal. You would have to think long and hard about that, and that is basically what Live Golf is. They're trying to buy these guys to come over. They know that right now these golf courses aren't good. They know that the fields aren't going to be the best, but it's a proof of concept. Once you start... Once this initial wave gets blasted with the scorn and the backlash, it makes it easier for the second wave to come. And once the second wave comes, the, di- the and the backlash dies down and the fur dies down, then the third wave can come. And all of a sudden, you've got something that's a viable yeah. product and a viable threat. That is the game plan. And look, it, it was amazing to me. My understanding was the tour pretty much had their statement ready to go on Friday when we thought this was all going to come together. And then it happens at 8.20 on Tuesday night. For those keeping track at home, 820, which is exactly when you want to maximize your exposure for anything you're trying to get publicity for, the tour went radio silent for more than 12 hours before they finally got around to responding with what was a very canned statement. And I'm sure it was the exact statement they planned to send out Friday night, which leads me to believe that within the global headquarters up in Ponte Vedra Beach, they were caught completely flat-footed by this, that they probably had an inkling that DJ was on the fence at this point, but they did not know that he was going to be in this first event. I think everyone, all of us expected this first event to be a very watered down version of whatever it is live golf was trying to do. And to a certain degree it is, but when you threw DJ into the mix and you threw, again, I'll go back to Taylor Gooch, which is probably a name that's not going to resonate with the folks that listen to our podcast, but trust me when I believe you, he is an up and coming player who's of an age that would have surprised people. If I, if I would have told you, Oh yeah, Taylor Gooch is going to be one of these players. You would have he's gotten 30. a stink guy. He's 30 and he's in the prime of his career. I, I think I think the general rule of thumb, Rex, 
is that anyone basically under the age of this is probably an arbitrary number 35 my age anyone under the age of 35 is taking a monumental risk by playing in this anyone over 35 and this is again an arbitrary number it it's it's kind of justifiable right like the martin keimers the the justin hardings the the richard blands the sergios the the westwoods the the Wiesbergers, like players of that ilk the kevin nas like you can understand why this would be appealing to them at the later stages of their career. They're past their athletic prime. For Taylor Gooch, he's playing the best golf of his career, having the best season of his career with the with the relative unknowns of what the potential discipline could be. It's a it's a massive risk for these guys to take, especially American no, players. And that's why I would argue that Gooch's name stood out. And there's some younger names on there. I guess I keep going back to Andy Ogletree just because of the situation he's in. Which, And this gives you an idea of how complicated this is. So Andy is playing this week in the Asian Tour event, and then he, which he was given a release for because he does have some sort of limited Corn Ferry Tour status. Andy Next Ogletree, week he, 2019 U.S. Amateur Champion, if you've never heard of him. Thank you. Next week, he also asked and was denied a, confl- a conflicting event release. To that point, he's at, he w- actually wasn't in the Corn Ferry Tour. There is no Monday qualifier for next week's Corn Ferry Tour. There would have been no way for him to get into next week's event, and they still denied it. So to give you an idea how extreme the PGA Tour is being on this, there was no reason to deny Andy Ogletree. He was not going to be in any of your events anyway. And yet, just as a blanket statement, it was absolutely not. You can go play because – the tour realizes what you just the picture you just painted that the more and more people start seeing this. And I was told this by one agent that they have done the math. And if their player who's playing next week finishes alone in 20th place, he will rank inside the top 100 this season on the PGA tour money list in one event hmm. and guys who have been grinding away. We can keep doing these comparisons the entire podcast because it's starting to resonate with players. Now I think to a certain degree, it's real now because there's names on a list. It's going to become more real when the first ball goes in the air next Thursday at the Centurion Club outside of London. And it's just going to continue to be real once they tee it up in Portland. Portland will be the real test because this would be in America. I mean, the tour is going to have to acknowledge the fact that, okay, after all of these years, that's sort of trying to dismiss this, this, these ghostly figures who are in the corner that are making these vague threats and offering this vast amount of money that no one has actually seen now, all of a sudden it's real. I think that's when you're going to start seeing movements from the PGA tour, as far as sanctions, as far as punishments, they don't have another way to go on this. They can't fight it dollar for dollar. They're going to have to make this about legacy and to a lesser degree, a moral conversation. I, I keep chuckling Rex because the most common reply that I see when the, when the, when the field list came out was, boy, that field sucks. No one's going to watch that. This is garbage. This thing, who, who cares about this? That is not the point because the, the field list for the first event is not what the field list for the fifth event is going to look like. It, things could be very different even in Portland. We don't know that for sure, even though the deadline uh, to, to try and play in that event has passed, the registration has passed. But there's a lot of guys, Rex, who have been linked to this circuit who are potentially – holstered and just want to see what's going to happen. The, the Patrick Reeds of the world, Abe Answers, some of the other Europeans like Terrell Hatton and Tommy Fleetwood and Kokrak. I mean, 
the list the list goes on Harold Varner, Bubba Watson. I mean, these guys have been linked for for months, and it just takes this first wave to get through for the backlash to die down, and it makes the transition a little bit easier. I Adam Scott is is another player who, who certainly uh, expressed interest even in in joining this. Like you're going to see a migration, I think, by the end of the summer. Now, most of these events are in that like July through October range. Once you get through uh, the Open Championship, I think in particular at St. Andrews, I, I think everyone, it, rightfully so, would be a little bit cautious about jumping ship before that, just in case the RNA comes down hard and bans you uh, from playing in the 150th Open. After the Open, I think it could potentially be open season for these guys. Cameron Smith is four under through 12 holes of the Memorial and, and leading. Uh, Jack Nicholas cannot be happy about that. It's early. It's probably, it, it probably, it probably rained. It's probably soft. We're not looking at the, the John Rom year of what was that? 2020 when a, like four under was the, was a leading score. That's probably not going to happen this week. Could I have been more dismissive of your reckless speculation that, that the versions are just going to continue to get better. I don't know that to be true to answer your question, not to be completely dismissive, uh, guys are I, holstered. I, guys are holstered. I, I don't know what that means. I'm going to have to look that up on Urban Dictionary as well. I think there are guys who are taking a wait and see approach. Big name, yes, bigger name. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't necessarily mean this is going to go off. Now there are things that are going in the tour's direction on this. Greg Norman being the primary example of this. We also don't know exactly how this is going to land with the public. Once they see these players teeing it up and playing for this ridiculous amounts of money, there might be just a, a general level of disgust that nope, 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 too dirty for me going back to the PGA Tour or whatever the case may be. Because there is... Among the, among it, the players it, or among the public? Among the public. And you don't know exactly except how the players... Except live officials don't care. They're not motivated by profit here. They don't care if, if, if 14 people are watching the YouTube live stream. That's not the oh, point. Oh, they don't. This is going to be, if in fact the message from the PGA tour ends up standing that there will be different punishments. If you play in one, there'll be one punishment. Stupid, if you play in all stupid eight. sliding scale, but here's where it comes into play. And let's use Taylor Gooch as our perfect example. Since we've selected him, identified him as the outlier that Taylor plays the first one and gets absolutely hammered by every matrix that he has his own PIP. His people are running his own PIP program and they realize that, Oh man, like you just took a bad turn. There, there's bad people, there's lawyers, and then there's you. Like it's, it, it's not exactly where you want to be in this particular situation. And he bolts and he decides I'll take my three months or my six month punishment and I'm done with this. There's no saying that Greg Norman's not going to get in front of a mic next week and say something so terrible that they're going to be like, no, can't do it because he's done it before. There's no telling that Phil Mickelson's not going to get in front of a mic. So I don't know. I don't want to keep leaning into the idea that I'm with you. I think this is going to be a momentum play where players are going to start seeing exactly how these are going down. They're going to start seeing the amounts of money that these players are making because you can go down the list and read them again. Greg, start Greg, reading. Norman, Greg Norman literally said that he wanted basically a nobody to win the $4 million first prize because he wants the star players to look at this, at this nobody or this has-been who wins this ungodly sum of money and gets competitively jealous and said, I can beat that guy with one hand tied behind my back. I'm jumping over there and I'm going to get this money too. That is their game plan. That is Norman's strategy. It's a risky strategy because it may not work because again, I've said this repeatedly, probably every week on this podcast since the beginning of the year, I have never ever 
met a great player who was motivated by money. I've Oh, go back and read Roy's transcript from yesterday. He gave a great answer about were you motivated for money when you turned pro? And a very long, extended, insightful answer of yes, of course I was motivated by money when I first turned pro. And then you get now. to a point and then you get to a point where you you chase Tiger's records and Jack's records and 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 whatever other uh, barometer for success that you find. You're that's like that's why this is not going to appeal to a JT, a, a Spieth, a Morikawa, uh, a, a Rom, because those guys those guys are wired differently than a a Kevin Na or apparently a, a Taylor Gooch. And in that t- particular case, I would argue that like every other sport where you see a successful organization, they have found a way to exploit whatever inefficiencies there are in the market. And that means it, making the most of what's in the margins. And in this particular case, what's in the margins are those players who are in their 40s, the late 40s, the Ian Poulters, Lee Westwoods, who are motivated by money now. They've made the full circle. And they've gone back to being motivated by money. And then going back to the other extreme and looking at those guys last week at the NCAA championship that, that you love to tweet about so much. And they're motivated by my money. Absolutely. They're motivated by money. And I, I not all of them, model. not all of them. Mm, Pearson, they the can number one not. ranked, the number one ranked senior in the country who has corn fairies tour status now for the next 16 months, the grandson of Charles Cootie, uh, the former uh, master's champion, is not motivated by it. He got an enormous offer to join the circuit and he turned it down because he has other goals, other goals, the same type of goals that Spieth and Scheffler and Morikawa and Rahm and JT and Spieth all share. They want to compete against the legends of the game. So not no. everyone is motivated. Not by everyone. Money. No, but they're going, again, they're going to feed on the young. They're going to take the young one class. It's a great a strategy. It's a great strategy. It is a great strategy. Cause again, again, if you look at every good, like I'll go to golden state because we're in the NBA finals, right? What they did is they found a way to exploit those market inefficiencies, which was three-point shots, and they built the entire team around that. And now they do something that no one else in the NBA can do, and that's why they're the favorites in the NBA. In this particular case, you're right. They're not – I think they realize right out of the gates, we're not getting the Rory's and the John Roms and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas's right now. But we're going to get tomorrow's Justin Thomas's, and we're going to get yesterday's Justin Thomas's. And those two classes are maybe not completely, but largely motivated by money, and we've got a lot of money to spend. I'm actually, I'm actually a little surprised there weren't more amateurs. There have been a lot of names that have been uh, rumored about in, in college circles, so I was surprised to, to see those guys not on the list. And I saw, we, we mentioned David Pooge, ninth-ranked amateur in the world. I talked to him after the semifinals, after the news broke. First, he, he declined comment. I had to tell him, like, you're probably going to want to come out uh, and share your side of the story. And his explanation, his rationale for doing so, this amateur, is that, he has been highly regarded over these past couple of years, and he has a total of one sponsor exemption on the DP World Tour, zero on the PJ Tour, despite being one of the best college players over the past couple of years. He wants to test himself against the best players in the world. He wants to see how he stacks up. He wants to see, while he still has one year remaining in college, what he needs to improve before he eventually joins the play-for-pay ranks. When you say it like that, it makes a lot of sense. Now, is he going to be uh, well compensated for his efforts through some sort of back oh, channels? Yes. yes, he most certainly is. But he also wants a chance to play. If the PGA Tour had given him sponsor exemptions, he would have gladly teed it up in those events. In, in fact, he said that his ultimate goal remains to play on the PGA Tour, but live, in my opinion, smartly so, 
is giving him an opportunity. Oh, I, I can see where most players, at least of that age group, are, are going to come from that sort of frame of mind where I'm sure they all want to play on the PGA Tour because this goes back to what the top players, including Dustin Johnson, said back in February. You want to compete against the best. And in the, at this particular co- time, the best is not on Live Golf. I think uh, our boy Nosferatu on Twitter did like a field comparison. I think the winner would get 24 points which is about rock bottom for a PGA tour event. That's yeah, probably a, a fall like event or an opposite field. Yeah. So it's, it's not a good field by any stretch of the imagination. It's some names. It's Dustin Johnson, who you can probably sell some tickets on and Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, given it's in London, but it's not a good field. And I don't see head to head any of those fields outstripping a PGA tour event anytime soon, maybe in the fall, who knows what we end up with having then, but the PGA tour does have the upper hand in that particular category for now. And I think they can sustain that for a little while. But the actual bidding war that it seems like this is going to be headed to, that's not a fight they can win. And I think they realize that. Rex, the biggest news of the week, the biggest drama. NCAA is right. NCAA is Texas winning the NCAA. The biggest story that everyone was, was following with bated breath. It wasn't this live field being unveiled. Was it? it wasn't the NCAA championship unfolding in grand fashion what? at Greyhawk. The lingering question that has been looming over this entire week after what we talked about last week on the podcast was, did you smoke a brisket? I did not. Yeah, I did not. I completely, uh, I got home. You wussed out. I I didn't wuss out. I I didn't get home until Monday afternoon. And I was on high alert because this field was coming out. And then Tuesday I was on high alert. All day long. It didn't come out till eight thirty. Didn't come out till eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. On sat in front of my sat sat in my my office with the lights on and the camera ready, pretty much all day long, waiting for this to happen. Literally just. I think I think you sent me a snappy chat because you were you were sitting there waiting and it it was like one o'clock Eastern time. The the list eventually would not come out for about seven hours. I think I responded all dressed up with nowhere to go. Yes, that was it. And I did that for the next seven hours, too. Now, I did wander into the living room and watch whatever my son had on the TV at the time, trying to trying to wait around. Um, but no, I did not. And I'm not going to do it before I leave. I leave on Sunday to go to the memorial, so I won't get around to it. It'll be steaks tonight, though. I'm looking forward to steaks. Uh, I just took a flat iron steak out of the uh, out of the freezer to to defrost myself. And, and, and look, I'm not sure you're I'm not sure you're ready for a brisket. To be honest with you, I don't think you've done the research. I don't think Take you've done easy. the I don't think you've done the game planning. I don't think you have the, the correct equipment. Uh I want you to do it because I think we should have an entire episode uh on what will surely turn out uh to be a very poor brisket. Uh and so I'm <laughs> I, I, I want you I want you actually so so you're not you're not actually going to this live event. You were kind of on the schedule, kind of on the fence, uh particularly if Phil was gonna be there, because that would certainly be a a newsworthy event. Are you, so you're not going to live event anymore. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. And so I will do Monday qualifying, uh, the Monday, Monday qualifying in Columbus. Yep. And you will be actually Springfield, which I absolutely love. Uh, I can't wait to get back there. And you will be in South Florida, Jupiter again. Jupe. Yep. Still have not seen the field list for that one. You would think Ricky would be in that one. That seems like his territory. I'm sure he'll be if he is if he is there. No, Ricky. No, one. Ricky was at the Columbus one last year because I had to go back on Tuesday because he was in that nine for three or whatever playoff that finished up. Because I don't think uh, I don't think Ricky's playing this week. So I don't think he's playing this week. 
Oh, Ricky is playing. Yep. Take it back. I take it back. I take uh, it You back. were incorrect. He's one under through 10 holes. Yes. Yep. Yes. T18. Maybe he's, maybe he's going to win this right. and crack the top 60. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I've yet to see the field. We do have All right, a Get us out of here. What are you going to do? The flat steak? Get us out of here. I'm going to do, do, do the flat iron steak. Uh, Friday, TBD. Going out to dinner on Saturday with my lovely bride for a date night. Much deserved after her uh, two weeks at home with the Rascals. And then, yeah, Sunday, Monday, you and I will both be on the road. So next week, next week, Rex, you will fire up that brisket. We will have a long, in-depth conversation about what exactly you did wrong because it is the most difficult meat to cook. I am greatly looking forward to next week's episode. And you and I are going to do the pod, Rex. We're going to watch the first round of the live event on YouTube. And we're going to fire up the pod and give our initial impressions so make sure you're smoking that brisket on that Wednesday. Yeah, make sure you're smoking that brisket on Wednesday, and then you and I are going to watch it, and we're going to fire up the pod. So you guys, check out for look out for that one next Thursday, Thursday, June 9th, after the first round of the Live Golf event. Rex and I will be doing as live a pod as you can possibly have when you're doing it over Zoom. So thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you next week. Look at you beating the red eye. Nailed it.